Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. All right, welcome to the Polar Pro Show, where technology will be on our side today. Yes, there we go. Now I say, hold on, I'm still hitting the button. Go ahead. Okay, well, I'm here while she's doing the tech stuff, and I'm excited today about uh, what we're going to cover. The first thing I want to say is thank you for joining me. I love Thursdays. Don't you love Thursdays? Of course, some of you even write me and tell me. I can't wait for Thursday to Paula Price show. You don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. You have no idea what God is going to have called in and the issues that he will address. So, yes, we are in a marvelous time, marvelous time in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am in a marvelous time. Living into my dream. Hey, 30-year plus. Yes, yes. I'm excited about that. Um, we are, Price University is, is racking up our, our spring class. You know, we did well for our um, come out. You, yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, we did for a launch. But, you know, for a launch, I think we did very well. But I want to say this, that what we have lining up for spring is powerful. So if you are interested in enrolling for the spring semester, make sure that you go to priceuniversity.org. Org, as we continue throughout the end of this year, getting ready for our classes, which are forming now. I mean, we're really forming a healthy class for still our second semester. But again, you're not entering a school that's new. We're not new. We just had a name change. And of course, now, and we, yeah, well, we revamped a few things. But it's not new. I am not new to this. The curriculum is not new. The, the subject matter is not new. What is new is that we're taking it to the planet. And we are also getting it accredited so we can start helping you. Helping you make a living off of your calling. You know, you need to put that online. We should make a living off of our calling. You Most times, because, you know, I'm so excited about what God has done. Most people don't realize because we have this, we have this conflict, Prophet Ashley. We have this conflict between Christianity being bound to vows of poverty and the world requiring us to have an economy to live in it. So we have a conflict. There is this all over and over and over conflict, so much so that most people think that they ought not to pay for anything from a Christian. Now, you can pay from the Buddhist people. Y'all go to the little yoga meetings. Y'all go to the little uh, health and wellness thing. You go to your little Tibetan whatever. You can pay, pay for the Muslims. They did not vow for poverty. Tell you they're not. I'm telling you, you can go to the Hindu. You can go to all of these other religions, people, hear me, and expect to pay and think they are worth your hard-earned cash. You think that those psychics are worth your hard-earned cash, don't you? They didn't vow poverty. 
You go to the psychics. You go to the palm readers. You go get your aura read. You pay, and you are glad to pay. Aren't you excited to pay? So happy. And because you pay, you think you're getting something of value. Even though it is, it is as intangible and immaterial as anything else. And yet, when we come to Christians, this whole vow of poverty garbage comes up. So I just need you to understand, I did not vow poverty. I was born into poverty, and all the while I was a child, I vowed out of it. That's my vow, out. I'm out. I'm not doing it. Because it, there is no glory in a God that can't pay your rent. There's no glory in a God that can't put your kid through college. There's no glory in a God that cannot put you in a house that has you driving a ridiculous car. There's no glory in that, and that is why you all are not interested in being Christians. It's a no, and there is no nobility in poverty in Scripture. Test me. Go to your book and test me. There is no nobility in poverty. Not in God. Now, it may be a facility, but it is not a nobility. And God may, it's a facility to keep you, you know, to train you, etc. Because in Deuteronomy 8, he said, I made you go hungry. I made you walk around with nothing, your, your shoes didn't wear out, wear out or anything. And he did that. He said that I may test you and know what is in your heart. Deuteronomy 8, that I can find out what are you going to do to me? How are you going to treat me when I enrich you? When I give you the riches of the nations that I've promised Abraham, and I do all of those things, how are you going to treat me? Will the riches that I give you cause you to separate from me, pervert me, to to downgrade me in your priorities, in your, your reverence, even in your deities. Is that what it's going to be? Or are you going to love me more and not, not less? Are you going to be easily sold out? Are you going to be easily bought and paid for? Tell me this, but there is no nobility in poverty. Not because poverty means powerlessness, and God is a God of power. So I'm going to tell you right now, vow of poverty is not what we, they think. Now, I think that there has to be a priority, that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength, that God says, I am the Lord thy God. They shall have no other God before me. So you need to work out your God relationship and your God reactions to what he gives and takes. Because if God takes your wealth and that's all it took for you to fall out of love with him and to cut him off, then guess what? You, he was never your God. He was never your God, and he knew it, and that's why he did it, to show you that he was not your God. Great. We're going to do that. I'm, I don't want to miss that one. And so I want you to understand, as we go forward in, in what we're doing in God, there is no, there is no nobility in poverty. Now, the vow of poverty may have been something that, 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 you know, some other 
sect of Christianity came up with, but that's not what the apostles talked about. The prophets and apostles talked about you being rich, talking about all things being yours, talking about the earth is, is in your hands. The, my Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and they that dwell therein, that all of the riches of knowledge and understanding, the tools of wealth, knowledge and understanding are instruments and vehicles of wealth. Say that, knowledge, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are vehicles of wealth. Let's say that and come on together. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are vehicles of wealth. Wealth has vehicles. It's not just a destination path, a little road that you run down, and there you go with the pot of gold. But that is not how it works. Wealth has vehicles. Many people don't have the instruments, tools, or vehicles of wealth and still praying for wealth, still praying for God to make you wealthy. Well, there's a rule. You know, I'm rewriting um, my book, re writing and re releasing it, my book, Money is the Spirit, and there's a section in there that talks about the rules of money. Ignorance does not guarantee wealth. It doesn't. And the few people who get wealth by ignorance are either heirs, they don't, you know, they inherit it, hallelujah, or violators or, or things like that. But for the people who want to get it lasting, like um, Proverbs 8 talks about, mm-mm. Uh-uh. That's not the case. That's not going to work. So I want you to understand that there is no nobility in it. it. I don't care how wonderful you feel about saying, yeah, the Lord sent me here with no money. That's true, but he sure didn't mean to keep you that way. Because you know what? The land that you're entering wants money. The, the neighborhood that you're entering wants money. So we have to think differently about it. And so I'm writing this book, Money, I'm, I'm reading releasing it, and it's, it's a larger version. It's going to have a workbook with it for you to do training, etc. And I'm doing it because I realize, you, and I used to say this before, you're not poor because of what's in your pocket or your bank. You're poor because of what's in your heart and your head. What you believe about money is what your life will be. For example, and I, I love this example. You don't mind me sharing this, Prophet Ashley, right? Not at all. All right. It's my show. She says I can do it because it's my show. And so one of the things that you may not understand is when you criticize folks with money all the time, you condemn yourself because you celebrate your poverty over prosperity. Now, you know, hold on. I think that needs to be punctuated. Did you hear the ring? Ah, I went after it. I went after it. <laughs> but you do. And most of you, most of you sat around the table listening to your parents justify, explain, soothe, console their, their station in life by criticizing the people, criticizing this. Well, it's just it's, it's evil. Money can't be evil no more than a bullet is evil. I'm going to tell you right now, bullets don't kill people. Shooters kill people with bullets. Bullets don't kill people. So I'm one of those people, don't even ask me about it. Should we, should we just take all the guns off the street? Come on, people. Let me tell you something. I'm not a, what do they, what do they call it, the NRA or whatever? I'm not that. I'm just Jesus' wisdom. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you be a Christian, I'm going to tell you to think. Because this move is to disarm the citizens. Because criminals going to be criminals. Before guns, they were killing them with arrows and then rocks and then stones. You know, it doesn't make a – so the weapon, you just – they'll just find another one. Knives, come on. Swords. Because killing is part of earth. Woe to the earth for offenses must come. But woe to him by whom they come. So I'm going to tell you right now, 
I know some of you all, I don't believe in violence. That's fine. Don't believe in violence, but you, you certainly should not believe in victimhood as an alternative. You shouldn't believe in vulnerability as an alternative. Criminals don't need laws to have guns. Criminals don't need laws to have guns. Criminals don't, because they're criminals. They're committed to criminals. They're committed to that. That's the world they live in. And they're not going to, if they don't obey the law before we restrict them, they certainly aren't going to obey obey them afterwards because law is not their thing. And a lot of you, yeah, but I just see a lot of innocent people. Innocent people die of disease. Innocent people die of fights. Innocent people die of, of accidents. Innocent people die of, of what do you call it, um, um, just uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? the natural things? It's the natural order of stuff. I can get deep, but I'm trying not to. So innocent natural causes. Innocent people die. Heart attacks kill people all the time. We're not passing a law against heart attacks, but you know they kill. They they tell me it's almost like the number one killer. So there is so much inhumanity to take us out, baby. Trust me, it's not going to stop death. Death has a contract with the earth. Death has a contract with the earth. And so in my, in my understanding, it's not going to happen. There, even when we talk about money, you know, I just don't agree with that. You know, actually, I never agree with that because I, I, I grew up in a neighborhood where, where, where the criminals didn't care about the law. They don't care what the Senate is doing. They don't care what Congress is voting in or out. Who cares about that? They don't have to care because they're already outside the law. They've already told us they aren't going to honor it. So we have a whole lot of people, and nobody's going to turn in their weapons. They like these little pity stories, but nobody's going to turn in their weapons but the good citizens who are going to be victims of the others because they turn in their weapons. They're, I'm sorry. I don't agree with that, and I'm never going to agree with that. I don't care what you say. Jesus didn't agree with that. Should I mess with him a little bit? Go all the way. Do you all want me to tell you how Jesus didn't agree with that? I'm yes on the floor. That. Oh, I got two yeses on the floor. Two or more. Two or more. Exactly. With two or three again. <laughs> <We're in. laughs> We're all We're in. Jesus did not a- agree with that. And I'll tell you why. Because when he gathered his apostles in Matthew 10 and sent them out, he said, don't take your weapons, don't take your money or whatever. We act like that's, we do act as if that's the last word on it. That is not his last word on it. He told them to do that. You don't need weapons and you don't need money. Just take your little, don't take extra clothes because I am going to care for you because I'm sovereign and providence on the planet. I've already spoken to people to take care of you. So you won't need it. You, you will be protected by the same angelic guard that protects me, and you will be financed by the same divine treasury that's in people's lives that I'm living on. So Jesus, Jesus said, so be like me. Right now, I'm here on the planet. You know it's good. Y'all like this? Am I warming up? Come on, am I encouraging you or what? So he's saying, I can take care of you because anything attached to me, because I'm the king of glory, I'm the God of creation, I'm the almighty, I'm the co-creator, so if you are attached to me, nothing can touch you and you are provided for, I'm in the flesh. So I didn't just come to this planet alone, I came to this planet with an innumerable company of angels. We, we met them when they were singing, when Jesus was born, and then they were leading the, 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 the three wise men. 
So he's saying because the law of kings is that everything is an appendage of the king, of the sovereign, everything. So he's saying in the same way, I'm on a different level of provision, security and protection. You as my 12 are likewise. See, we don't think wisdom. We always think in words. We hear these people, they quote scripture to you all out of context. You're like, well, what am I going to do with anything? But so he's operating on his royal sovereign station. I am the king of kings. I may have laid aside my sovereignty, that part of me. But nonetheless, the kingdom of heaven is taking care of me because I'm here on the ground in another form. So as long as I'm here on the ground, nobody's going to hurt you. Did you notice nobody's going to bother you because my angels are taking care of this. God had to, in order for Jesus to die, Jesus had to stand before Pilate and say, I want you to understand, I told my angels to stand down because they don't want anything to happen to their king because they understand what it means. So moving on. So now Jesus has done his three and a half years. He is getting ready to leave the planet. He is now going back to be the sovereign of sovereigns on the throne of all creation. And he gave his his apostles some instructions. And you know what he told them to do? He told them to get some money, get a coat, and buy swords. Bible, if we're going to use Jesus. Now, y'all might be using that other Jesus. I don't know him. I'm speaking about the one that's in Scripture. But he told his apostles to arm themselves. Now, God's word to Peter about cutting off the guys is that Peter was always impulsive. And he's saying, if you think that's the only way you're going to be kept in doing this thing, you're going to have a problem because you're going to die. You will die by the sword. But think about it. But he told the man, he told all 12 of them, go get some weapons. Because I'm going home, my angels are going with me, and you're going to have to roll with the Holy Ghost and the world you live in. Because I've told you the world is wicked, it's evil. Is it? Are you all getting this? So when we start, when they ask me those questions, I'm like, show me. Show me. Because when I look at it, these guys have protection. They have um, a guard, armed guards, etc. following them. Otherwise, they'd have been ambushed on the side of the road and, and they were, they lived all of that. It was always a fight. So there is no, now I'm telling you, criminals, you, can't, you don't need to give a criminal permission to do anything. They already broke permission. They don't care. Do they care? No, they don't care. And so you will tell all of the citizens to go to this wonderful little warehouse, take their little weapons, and leave it up to whom to protect them. Leave it up to how. And then after we do guns, you're going to have to have them go back again and take knives. As we do knives, you have to go back again and let them take other objects, take some poison, because you can't collect all of the instruments of death. Because death has a contract with the earth. It contracts the flesh. That is its job. It is, death is the number one transit system from this world to another, or at least out of this world into God. That's death. Death is a conveyor. It's a transit. It's meant to be that. And we've, been, we've done so much about you're not going to die. We're going to live. Nope, that's not true. We're all going to die. We have to go back to the dust. God needs that dust. He needs it for other things. He needs it for future generations. So he needs that dust. See, this is the intelligence of the word. 
Because we've been having the inspired word of God, but now can we roll with the intelligent word of God or the logos of God? So when you think about that, you think about money, it's the same thing. Money is a resource. Money is a defense. Money is an answer. So if money is a defense, how can it be? How can it be the, the, the poverty stamp or symbol that we want? You can't have it both ways. You can't. You can't have it both ways. So I need you to think differently because many of you are, have given away stuff you shouldn't have given away. Or you gave away money to, to something that can't reproduce. And I'm not talking about when God tells you to go bless this, because when God tells you to give something away, there is a major replacement coming down the line. A major, there's an exchange, I'll call it that. When God tells you to do it, there is a, a super exchange coming, whether it's healing or, or restoration of marriage, restoration of family, something, because you have to give the spirit realm. The spirit realm does not need your cash but it needs your appreciation of exchange and transaction. You have to have a transaction. Paul talked about that. There is a real transaction. Some of you all got all caught up in these preachers who got mad and you said, I'm not giving anything to a church again. And you know what? You are not giving anything to a church again, and you are exchanging nothing, storing up nothing for God to intervene in your difficult time. See, because that's what those exchanges are. They go into your reserves. Bible. I'm not talking something else crazy. Bible. They go into your reserves. And when you run on hard times, you give God a reason to intervene and to supersede the normal course of life. I need you to be very clear on that. So money is a spirit. It starts spiritually. When we think about prophecy, that's one of the reasons why Prophecy is, is something that God can't ever do away with because he's got to let you know what you're cashing in on in the future. Now, you could tell me, and I know some of y'all going to write me because y'all like to write this stuff, so I love to read it. I know you think I don't, but I, I'm going to tell you something. You can write all day long what your preacher says, but then ask your preacher what he's living off of. Ask your preacher what she's living off of because obviously what they're saying and getting you to buy into and what they are living it's two different things. You have to ask yourself, is this walking and talking, or is it just talking? And so when you talk about it, Paul said, if we sow to you spiritual things, you need to reciprocate with material things so that we don't have to go hit a clock and thereby deprive you of the wisdom of God and the answers and solutions of God that we should be acquiring during the day. Now, I'm for working for God, and I get answers all the time. I've got so many answers about you all. I'm stunned. I'm like, God, where do I put this wisdom? But you know what? It's what he wants for you. Paul said that he wants you to sow. He says there's an account, and we think that account is an afterlife account. It's not an afterlife account. It is a backup fund. Because in the afterlife, they live on an entirely different system. They live on entirely different rules. So that that it be laid up in your account. Some of you all, your account with God is empty. You know, with, with, it's just empty. So when it comes time for you to say, but Lord, you said, now you got to run on mercy. Mercy is that poverty um, apportionment. He said, God's just giving it to you from spiritual poverty because righteousness can't hold you. Truth is not, you're not able to stand on truth. So now we have to drop down on a pill on mercy. 
on the welfare, the goodness of the king. And that's a good thing. Mercy is a wonderful thing. But understand, mercy and grace are not synonyms, and they don't provide the same thing. And then you have to ride on faith. When that, when that, what did he say? He would got, Jesus was not, by virtue of the law of the land, supposed to even entertain that Syrophoenician woman's prayer because she wasn't a Jew. He was supposed, he, he said, I was not sent to anybody but to the lost sheep of Israel. But he moved on faith. And people said, well, he moved on faith because, of, no, no. He moved on faith because he jumped over Moses' law and went back to Abraham. And he used Abraham's faith to deliver that woman's daughter. See, we have to put it together. It's scattered to confuse us. But aren't we glad there are people who can just reassemble? You know, Scripture sometimes a little bit like a shredding. And somebody has to sit down and pull all those things together to find out what was separated, what was separate. In addition, you have to think differently. You have to think differently. I need you to think differently about money. I need you to think differently about wealth. I need you to think differently about your part in it, but also your responsibility. You cannot be with God and expect God to do all of these wonderful things to you and you want to bankrupt him and his institution. And if you're part of his bankruptcy, he's certainly not going to be part of your replenishment or replenishment. Is that good to say, Ashley? It's good, and it's been it's tight, but it's right. It really is. But Paul talks about everybody having an account yes. in God that give, gives God the leverage to supersede the law of Adam, to supersede the normal courses of life. Now, why would he want to do that? I mean, think about it. Aren't you a good God because you still are looking at God as a, as a lone ranger? You think God is just all up there by himself, pushing buttons, et cetera. God has entire institutions and orders of angels and agents, et cetera, who are just as as delegated in their positions and just as engaged in what God wants to carry out as your company is with you. And he has to have a reason to tell the angel of death to go away. He has to have a reason to tell the spirits of poverty and lack to leave your life. You've got to give God some reasons. And some of you all don't even give him reasons, let alone leverage. You have to have a reason. I don't care if it's contriteness, he tells you, a contrite heart, he just he loves it. When you, you know, when we're a pile of, of, of molting dust and, and, and water and mud, then he's happy. And he's happy because that's given him an opportunity to squeeze out everything that resisted him, everything that opposed him. You have to allow, give God reason. You got to have a reason. Give God a reason to get your child out of out of jail. You got to have reasons. You, and I know people tell you you don't, but you do because the, he does not intervene in everything. He, just like your your CEO doesn't intervene in everything. He's not in all of that. You have to have a reason for him to tell this spirit not to do its job. Okay, skip over that because he's a righteous God. And then he's got to justify all of that according to Ephesians 3.10 that, you know, to the principalities and powers in the heaven that the manifold wisdom of God may be made known to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. His world is real and they accuse him too. You think you want Satan is a spirit. He was first accused by a spirit. That was good. So he, what did he do when he, when he went after Job? What did he do? He accused Job and he accused God of favoritism. He accused God of injustice. And so Satan had already been observing Job's habits and prayers. So he knew 
where to hit him. I'll hit him in his kids. I'll hit him in his business. I'll hit him in his wealth. He knew that because he knew that Job excessively offered those up to God for protection. And he came and he hit him in those areas. And he hit him in his body. You have to understand, God is not just accused in this world. He He has to balance out his justice in all creation. The angels that stayed, the angels that left, the angel that rose up, the angels that fell, the citizens that trusted him, those that stayed loyal, those that went disloyal, he has a more than us. And because you keep thinking of him as a lone ranger, you keep bringing him down to your little household and how you do things. But that's not how he does it. He has to do it. He says he has to do it. The end of Revelation 5, where he's speaking to the, the, the people who have died, and they're, they're under the altar, and, and they said, but Lord, now when are you going to avenge us? Is it now time for us to be avenged? Now, Peter said it on earth, and they say it in heaven. Everybody is looking for God to work their lives out, to pay them for what they suffered, not just on earth. Because we think that, we, don't, we, we, we feel like, well, you know, he really doesn't care or God ought to be able to do it. I read some of this stupidity on Facebook. You know what I say? Oh, my God, did they just put face dumb or dumb face on? Some of these things are ridiculous. Well, God can do anything. Yeah, and so can you. But there are things you restrain from doing because it's not prudent or wisdom. It's not helpful to you. How much more the sovereign? It may, not be, it may not be prudent for God to steal your neighbor's car and give it to you. He can, but it, can he, uh, let's be real. It may not be prudent for the Lord to steal your neighbor's wife, husband, and give it to you. He can. He can take. He's sovereign. He can tell the man, uh, take that wife, give it to you, take that husband, give it to you. But is that what you want? And do we really want a God that can do that, that will do it because he can? You know, God can take and shut your company down because you're mad at your supervisor. And he can. But does he really want to put that many people out of work? Does he really want to hit the economy of the land because you have an issue? This is the wisdom of the Almighty. He said, I will show you the wisdom of the Almighty. This is his wisdom. So a lot of the stuff that you're saying God can do, he can do it. But what cost? At what cost to whom? Because everything is a reverberating effect. At what cost to the world? Yeah, God could get mad at a president and tear up the company, but then he's got thousands and thousands of people that he's got to find employment for because they're going to be hungry, and they're going to be praying to him for food, and they're going to be contributing to the, the lack of the, of the land and probably crime and all of those. See, there's a think like priest or king. Boom. You like to say you're a priest? You like to say you're a king? Think like one. Think like one. Not just demand the, the perks. All we want to do is demand the perch. You don't want to think like a king. You don't want to think like a leader. You don't want to think like a ruler. But we're kings and priests unto God. Then act like it. Act like you understand God's responsibilities. Act like you understand his duties. Act as if you really do get what it means to be God in that seat and all, everybody looking to you for everything, right on down to creatures. Everybody looking to you for everything, for every answer. Think like if you're going to be talk, walk around boasting, I'm a king. Let it not just be because you got a lot of money and you can buy a lot of stuff. That's not a king. That's a horde. 
but let it be that you understand this man's duties and responsibilities to all creation. Let it be that you understand that he enriched you to offload some of his responsibilities in the earth realm. You're going to be a priest and act like you're a priest who is, who is jealous for your God, who is vengeful, who is defensive and protective. If you're going to claim that, I mean, we're going to walk around talking about I'm a priest to God. I'm like, prove it. Well, how do you prove it? I mean, I worship people. Let me tell you some Bible. Do you understand that there are very few instances of worship being sung in Scripture? Worship is expressed. Coming from the root of the word worship, worthy of. So you're giving God his worship, and all you want to do is sing songs and play music. You want to lift up your hands and wave in the wind like wheat. But worship is applied to more than singing, more than poetry, more than psalms. As a matter of fact, when you look at the psalms, it's about work. Worship comes out of workmanship. You didn't get it. I know they didn't get it, Prophet. They didn't get it. Uh, get it, get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got, so your works are supposed to are, are God's work. Your works should be worthy or the equivalent of what God is worth. So now you got Christians that don't want to help. I ain't doing nothing. I'm not coming to church. I'm going on vacation. I'm gonna play with my kids. I'm gonna live my life. I'm not. You, you don't. You don't have the right to sing about worship. Because you've never given God his worth, and you don't believe in giving God his worth. When you sing and work, there you go. They're marrying each other. Now we've got something. When you praise and work, when you break your neck to give God something so quality, no other God should even have a right to it or touch it, then you're into worship. Worship is not just saying it. I'm in Tulsa, you know. Okay. Worship is not just that. And we stand up there. I listen to them, and I listen to all of these worship songs, and they are amazing. I love them. Please don't give them up. I'd have got some on my own. But you are communicating to people that they don't have to do anything but sing to God. They don't have to give him anything. They don't have to serve him. They don't have to suffer. All they have to do is sing and, and, and use song as this anesthetic that they that, – that makes them not feel bad about being a Christian or not feel bad in the world. I look at, listen to these songs, and I'm saying, I want some, come on, somebody. Boom, boom, boom. Somebody asked me about, well, what is an apostolic worship? What is a prophetic worship? That which moves people to produce for God. Come on. To give God a product. That which moves people to give him what he deserves, to enrich him. That moves people to not only sing about we are loved, but to go out there and love people. Not only sing, sing about the cattle on a thousand hills, but go out there and convert it and exchange it for some power for the Lord. Well, they're singing all of those songs about let's just feel good, and I want to just feel good. Worship is not about a feeling. God said to to. Uh, uh, Joshua, I'm not taking y'all in. I'm mad. I didn't let you win this battle because you know what? Y'all got sin in the camp. Joshua's done. He's the leader. How do I have sin in the camp? I mean, how can I have sin in the camp? We've done everything. We're doing the law. We're doing everything you told us to do. We're following Moses' ways and all that. One of his leaders stole 
a pagan garment, hid it in his tent. In his tent. And this is what he said. He said, worship, Joshua said, worship God and tell the truth. Worship God in your sacrifices. Worship God in your giving. Worship God in your peacemaking. Worship God in your building. Worship God in your leadership. All worship begins with work. You have to put effort in it. Worship is a response to a successful effort, a successful endeavor. Oh, is anybody, do I have any praise and worship leaders out there listening to me? Do I have any of you out there to know what I mean? Half of you all downgraded your songs so that people wouldn't feel bad about you not singing to their L's and ills and all of that. A praise and worship leader is supposed to use the melodious side of human makeup and the rhythmic side of human makeup to inspire people to do more for God apart from what they hear preached. It's not just to prepare for the preacher. It's to prepare their heart to do more than be hearers. Deceived hearers only. New songs need to come out of praise and worship people today. And you need to start talking about people building God's kingdom, people defending God, people fighting for the Lord Jesus Christ, people holding up the standard, people going out there to get riches for him. That's what you do. If you really believed he was a king, you would not idol his people. And those songs idol his people in pews with music. And you sit there and you see him sitting around. Tears running down their face because they can't relate to why they love God so much. This music is saying that he loves them so much and their lives are a wreck. Your song should enrich people. Your song should empower them. They should get educated on how God does things using lyrics, rhythm, and melody in place of sermonics. That's how we're supposed to do it so that you don't have to stand up there. We're in gimmicks because you told people they should have something for nothing. They got a handout mentality. They come to church for a welfare handout. I can't even tell you how many times I've heard people say when I'm in in congregation, they're raising money, yeah, well, I need money for myself. Well, then you should have brought some for God. That's what you should have did. You should have brought it to them, coming to church with nothing, sending your kids up there tapping baskets. You know, I don't ever, mm -mm. don't ever do that in Dr. Price because I will tell you don't tap my basket because I don't need you to tap poverty on my prosperity. If it wasn't worth enough for you to bring something to put in it, stay in your seat and let everybody know you gave God nothing. We don't want them to feel bad. They should feel bad. You should feel bad coming to the king of kings, coming to the one who delivered you, the one that keeps food on your table, the one that delivered your kids, the one that got your son out of jail, the one that saved your marriage, the one that brought your husband back from the dead, the one that kept your wife from from falling into all kinds of of illness and and malady. Yeah, you should have come. You should have come. My church, they're not allowed to come and not bring the king something. You better, and it better be of substance because you need to bring God exactly what you want him to bless with 90% more, 100-fold more. So all of you out there that, when I was in Jersey, you know, I was a big thing. I was like, oh. Don't, I said, why? I didn't know. Why did he do that? We don't want them to feel bad. They should feel bad that they gave Satan all their money on the way to church. You should feel real bad about that. It should bother you that you ate up that money before you came to church. That's all you had instead of trusting God for more. The kingdom works on exchange, and we talk about that in Money is a Spirit. The kingdom works on exchange, economic exchange, final exchange, gift exchange, talent exchange. The kingdom works on exchanges. If you, then I. When you, then I. 
Anybody, they follow me yet? Y'all still follow me out there? Am I still beloved, dear beloved apostle? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Your people will stay as poor as you allow them to stay. And the number one thing of breaking your people out of poverty is to tell them to stop coming to the kingdom glory poor with an excuse. I had nothing to bring the king. Oh, God, help me. I can't stand it. Just give me. Come on over here. I just can't stand it. Come on. We're ready. Come get in your seat. I'm going to go to the other side. You're going to go to the other side? Oh, you like that better? Oh, okay. Then she can sit right here. All right. We'll keep that seat for her. And there she is. There you go. There I am. Can you take the fire? I don't know. Hot today. It's hot. Poor people with poor poor money habits. Come on here. My God. Yeah, I got notes today. I. She says she got notes today. Yeah. I got some notes today. I had notes today. (laughs) Okay, who's on first? You. Okay. Okay. Uh, Talking about gun control and how the agenda is to disarm us as a nation, Mm -hmm. because that's not the issue. No. People, and Scripture's always right. People who obey the law, Mm -hmm. the law doesn't matter. They're always going to obey it. They're the ones who are going to apply and go through whatever. Just like the whole Las Vegas shooting that we just had. Mm -hmm. That guy had a clean record. There was nothing to find. Mm So that's not the issue. Um, it is people who, okay, they can't find a gun. Like you said, they're going to take a stick. They're going to take a club. They're going to choke somebody out, push them over a cliff, do whatever they want to do to be a criminal. To be a criminal. Because criminals are criminals. They make crime. That's what they do. They exist to commit crime. And when you were talking about wealth in the beginning, and wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are the vehicles of wealth, mm-hmm. you should write a book. She mm-hmm. should write a she book. You should write a book. Another way. Glad you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, another one? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a book. <laughs> well, because we want to make it about all these other things, just the idea, just the opportunity. Give me my five seconds in Shark Tank. You know, mm-hmm. give me my five seconds on whatever, but not understanding, which is why even on those shows, they grill you mm-hmm. to see, do you know your arena? Do you know your, your product? Do you know this field? Or do you just have a good idea? I, I want some money. That's all I want. I want some money. I saw once this lady, she had a great idea. It was a food, something or other. And she, they said, why are you doing this? And she gave the staple, I want to be a good role model to my son. I'm a single mom kind of thing. And, and the pity card. She pulled that pity card. She did. And the gentleman said, well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to get behind that because I don't know if you know business or the numbers. Mm-hmm. She began to run down the numbers. Oh. She shipped it. Uh-huh. Said she had just signed a contract with X amount of money. This is how much she has made. On and on and on and on. All of a sudden, they said, "Wait, you've already signed a contract for this much?" They began to move their wealth mm-hmm. to get behind the idea because she understood. Yes. Okay. Yes. See, that's, she that's was given all that church sweet talk, Mm-mm. and that that was not going to close. Until he said, "There's no nobility being poor." Mm-mm. There's no nobility. No nobility. No, no. <laughs> I was probably born poor. Remember, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I wasn't a nobility. <laughs> and how you said you told us when you were a little girl you always said to your mom Mm-mm. I'm not poor my mother used to say little girl you keep acting like you're rich but I am rich she said no little girl you're poor I'm not poor mom you're poor but I'm not poor <laughs> yes, I, we used to fight. and then I'd go to my bed and I'd cry 
like, God, I didn't even know God said, but why am I poor? Is it poor bad? <laughs>
that would be my first thought. The second thought that I would say is once you are there, cut covenant to do it and do the hard work. These your 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 helpers are gonna. Lie. I mean, they're gonna find all of the things that you've forgiven yourself for, all of the things that you cover, all of that stuff when you were helping yourself. You know, um, they will. They're gonna hit those things. Commit to endure. Don't run. Do not run. Most of people, especially Christians, you cannot tolerate hurt feelings. You just can't. I don't even understand what that's all about, but you can't. So somebody can't even tell you the truth. You prefer people to lie you into poverty than to confront you into wealth. You need to get a powerful helper, one who understands that that's just your hang-up, and we're going to get around that. But I will tell anybody, you cannot bring yourself out. Prisoners cannot break themselves out of prison without digging underground, et cetera, et cetera. And when they break themselves out illegally, they're always living beneath the radar. They can't ever take advantage of what's above. So I don't know. I hope that helps you. I want, you know, I really want, does that answer? Yes. You know, because that's important. It's important that you know that. And, and, and I, again, self-help is great, but self-help will peak at yourself. It won't make you, it won't take you beyond yourself because, remember, you're the standard. Okay, so let's, when you're talking about digging yourself out and all the financial things, mm-hmm. when we talk about mentorship and you said finding your change agent, then enters in usually the subject of money. Right. Paying somebody or whatever. Uh, in the beginning, you talked about poverty not being impoverished. Impoverished. What should people look for or expect? Now, see, I know in the world, you walk around knowing you're going to have to pay somebody to get you out of debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, an attorney, a coach, or whatever, hourly package, buy into whatever. Should it be different in the church? Uh, that is such a wonderful question. No. And let me tell you why it shouldn't be. We are asking in the church, the rules of the church are the rules of your local congregation. So it's the rules of the local church. So however way your local church handles training you is what you know. But here's the drawback. They may, they may make it cheaper because they can, because you're a member, but it's all to benefit the house. The change agent outside the church is going to give you access to the world. Okay. That church is not going to give you any more access than the, your prayer life or working on this um, department or sitting on this board of council. You want a change agent that has that's going to give you access to reap your investment back from that training. Wait a minute, hold on. That's so awesome. <laughs> because that's why that's why you go to all of these Christian um, business things and you walk away with a bunch of notes, etc. But you need to do it. And there are a lot, of, a lot of them in the world that don't give you anything but a, a bunch of cliches, uh-huh. et cetera, so you need to be careful. A quality change agent will not just change your life. They will change your station in life. Ooh. Ooh. So not everybody's a change agent. And you need to know not every trainer, not every coach is a change agent. See, there are a lot of coaches that will just coach you into comfort or just tell you how to pay your bills, and then they're done, and that's okay. But you, the one that can take you from poverty to prosperity, not rashly but systematically, and change your psyche in the process so that you don't revert. Because, see, we got a lot of poverty, you know, yeah. prosperity and poverty yeah. clashes where people go back to the poverty that they were because we didn't change anything but your mechanics. Hmm. 
You know, I thought this is good. And yeah. We fell into something. Yeah. <laughs> we fell into a few things. But so when you talk about a change agent, and you and most people, you're you're going to be the one that reverse because you want it quick, fast, and in a hurry. Souls don't change fast. You can't even change mindset. Just because somebody agrees with what you say and writes it down as a note or, or, or regurgitates it to you doesn't mean you change the mind that formulates mm-hmm. thoughts. And so there's a lot. My, one day we'll talk about change agents because a lot of you all didn't go to change agents. You went to trainers. You went to motivators. You went to a lot of things. But when you go to a change agent, when you reach the, the end of that process, and that program, whatever it may be, you are different. But not only are you different, you're equipped and armed. Mm-hmm. See, the church is always equipping, but it never arms. It never introduces people to the obstacles that lay ahead of it. It doesn't present those. It just says, well, this is it. We're equipping the same. For what? So if you're, if you're thinking your local church is going to do it, you're being equipped for your local church and its vision and mission. That may be wonderful or it may not be, but it certainly is not going to be yours. Now, if you're talking about uh, God gave me an idea, I want to go to school, I want to start a bakery, I want to do something like that, then you need to go to that sphere. You need to be in that sphere, deal with the agents in that sphere, and then find out who's, who's uh, trainees, because that's the best product. Whose trainees actually are the best. Mm. See, you go to, I mean, they may bring millions and millions in, and that's what they do because, hey, you know, you have to keep fishing. You go out to fish. So they may bring millions and millions of people in in the course of a couple of years, but in the end, you need to see their products in flesh. You need to see that training in flesh, walking, talking, working, handling. And if you don't see that product, then that is not the person who's going to bring you to the end. Now, you may not need that. Some of you just want a little tutorial. You know, some people just like, oh, like that. look, some little class. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm not talking about that. When you're talking about facing off with mammon, which is what I'm talking about, facing off with those age-old principles of darkness and light, you need a change agent. Mm-hmm. You need somebody who has walked that thing. Just like you want to go, you got to go to the hospital. You have to have yep. surgery, and you know, you have to, <clears throat> you have to have surgery. You have to get a major organ out or heart, heart, uh, heart surgeon. You're not trying to look at somebody who is great with putting pins in knees. That's not going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you need a, a surgeon who has faced off with death a lot. Yes. Likewise, you cannot expect a change agent to change you if they have not faced off with everything you must go through and won. And that's what we miss. Yes, yeah, we do. We want to get somebody who's popular. That may be great. They may be charismatic. They may be popular. You might like that, but that's not who's going to change you. Because, see, you may never get on their stage, but can you get in their station? Well, did you have anything else that you having fun over there? <laughs> Those weren't even written down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you have any more? Well, you know, just tying into the finance piece, um, when you talked about how you have to have your account <laughs> with God and give God a reason to intervene. Uh, and at what cost? Oh, yeah, because you were talking about this the other day in the kitchen, kitchen talk, <laughs> about um, at what cost to the world should God do something, take down the whole company because the boss is corrupt, but then you have 3,000 people without a job. Exactly. No insurance. 
uh, possibly, dis, you know, losing their home. So many people are living paycheck to paycheck anyway. Anyway, and, and now they're a closed company. Yeah, and it's a whole domino effect of destruction when really we just need to hire somebody else. Just need to get a new CEO, you know? Which explains why businesses take so long to shut things down mm-hmm. because of all of the people, the vendors affected. We know we had a big church in Tulsa many years ago that went through scandal, shut down, and the whole area where that church died. was died. died economically. Yes. They shut down restaurants and, and big department stores, and ultimately something else moved in. Um, but it was very interesting to see. And what moved in did not celebrate Christ. Yeah. And that's another thing. You create a place. The Bible said, don't give the devil a place. You have to figure out what you're doing in life that keeps giving him placement, access, positioning, power, and prosperity. So I, and when I think about it, when people ask for counsel and, I, well, you know, I just, my, I, I just am tired of my business and whatnot, I say, wait a minute. If you shut your business down, what power and spirit is going to replace it? Because those people who lose their jobs, they're going to be bitter with you, and they're going to be bitter with Jesus Christ going to, when they're, they can't pay their rents and, and all of those kinds of things. And, and we keep thinking that God makes us prosperous to keep Jesus in power and in position. And then we, I can't even tell you how many saints say, yeah, well, it was hard, so I closed it down. I was like, what? Wait, somebody needs to kill that theology. Yeah. I don't know where it came from. No, you started it, you finish it. And unless if you can't sell it outright or whatever, then you put somebody over it who can do it. But you should not keep disemploying Jesus Christ and impoverishing his world, his, his, his work and the things he must get done. You know, many a year, you know, we stayed here. I can't even tell you all the fights we had. Thank God for these people and my daughter who is not here today. But all the, all the battles, and I kept, God keeps saying, Paula, it's about keeping them in me. Mm-hmm. I had a total skewed perspective. Mm-hmm. He said, but if you let them go, they will go back to sin. Say, because I took responsibility for what I caused these people to believe in. Mm. And when you did release us, I mean, Dr. Price, we'll tell us two notable times. Yes, I fired him. When things were really crazy and bad. <laughs> We had this beautiful letter. I think it was about twice we got, you need to go, live your life, get married, have children, blah, 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 blah. I bless you for your sacrifice. On, on, on. We're like, oh, okay. And then we all show up and work. And they all went to work the next day. And I said, did you get the letter? Uh-huh. Yeah. We got it. What, did you read it? Yeah. yeah. We appreciate the notion, the thought, the sentiment. Come but even very that, genuine place. It was, yeah. but, but even that was, was fruit of my work. See, that was the fruit of my product. Because I had done, I trained you enough, I cast vision in you enough, and all of that for you to say, let's see this thing through. Right. And right now, our general is wounded. Right now, our general is hurting, and, and, and she can't find her way. So now let us step up to the plate and do the job and get her back on her feet. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of you all need to learn how to do. You need to stop following the crowd. You need to know when your leader is hit and your leader can't do it, no matter what. They, they want to do it. I mean, these people, they nurse me back to health. Can you nurse your leader back to health? Or do they just need to lay out there on the side of the road and, and, and become roadkill because people don't care? Because wow. <laughs> yeah. people don't care. You all, I mean, they wouldn't leave. They stay. You know, a lot of them think that I'm manipulating them lives. I didn't manipulate you all at all. I tried to release y'all people. Yeah, with a beautiful blessing. <laughs> I did. I blessed them real good, too. I, <laughs> I blessed them real, real good. But the point is this, 
out of all of this, there are many, many elements to power and strength and position. The first thing the church needs to do is stop telling their people that they can't speak of the power of God that's at work in this and that they can't give God credit for the powerful things that he's done through them and the power he gave them to do it. We have to stop that because people don't have confidence. They, don't, they, they lack confidence. I know every power they have. I know what they can do. And I call them because of that. Now, you're the one who can get this done. This is why uh, you're the one who can make that happen. So, yeah, you're right. I had to just continue to go. And some of you, I don't know who you are, but your pastor right now needs you to stand faithful. You have heard a piece of gossip. I'm telling you that gossip is a lie. It is not true. That is not what happened. And you need to get in your prayer closet and do business with the Holy Ghost until God unfolds the matter to you. Stop being a, a, a guard or a leader that, that, that is swayed by what's said outside, every wind. You need to be solid to know in who you believe. And just because your leader is acting a little different, I mean, get the facts. Some of it may be true for some other people listening, and but, the, but some of you all, you need to stand by your leader, and you need to flank them. Cover These people covered me so much that folks didn't even know I was out. I was like, they don't know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, because we, no, we didn't tell them. Well, I'm telling you that. No, I'm doing that. Not, not stand up this thing. Yeah, because I saw him. I saw him cry. I saw her fall out. I saw, that's not guardianship. Yeah, that's good. That is using your inside position to be the inside gossip yeah. and the inside destroyer. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be the inside person that's taking your leader out from the inside in. I want you to think differently. We'll talk about these things again, you know, because we've got to have some changes in terms of how we're doing this. This was a great conversation. And, yes, we have time for you. Don't shorten it because right now I think they need this. We, somebody is pulling on us. Are you all pulling on us out there? Because somebody is pulling on us. So you give your part, your points of view. Yeah, I think uh, I know. I know. No, I, I think in, in, in light of um, just even some of the things you said, you know, God's responsibility, you talked a lot about that today. Um, I, I think this piece is so important, and, and maybe even to this particular discussion, too, you talked about how God is not just accused in this world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think mean, that's one of those moments, you know. Um, I, we do, we do, we do tend to personalize God and bring Him just down to our situation and circumstance. And I think that that has to do with our lack of understanding about currency and how it works as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because we are thinking that God does not have to go by the own the own standards that He has set for how He does things in our lives. Exactly. That if that instead, even though we'll say we don't believe in magic, we absolutely believe in magic because when it comes to God, <laughs> we want Him to be a, more of a magician. Yes. You know what I mean? Like God, I I didn't sow for this. I didn't I didn't make any kind. Of exchange. You talked a lot about exchange today, making exchange. And I think that has to do with the worship piece as well. Mm-hmm. I think all of the points really come together, but I think we absolutely believe in magic in that sense because we're expecting God to always, always give us something for nothing, um, to always understand why we came up short. 
you know, well, and that whole thing when we say, you know, God, there's no heart, really what we're, translation, I came up short and God should understand. Mm -hmm. You know, I I know that I didn't didn't quite give him what he should have had, okay? But he should get it. He knows my heart. He should understand. You know, and I think that's translation, that's what we're actually saying. Mm -hmm. Um, So today, really revelatory because you're helping us understand how God actually thinks about something and answering the question, why doesn't God move? Because I think in, in terms of money, in terms of worship, which you talked about today, we're all asking that question. We're not mm-hmm. saying it out loud. We want to know. Yeah. We're wondering, God, why why aren't you moving? Or why do you move sometimes mm-hmm. and then other times you don't? Why are you responding to me in this situation and other times you're not responding I think it boils down to what you talked about today. I love how you said think differently about your responsibility to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you said it, ooh, this is what I just, ooh. Come on. You said it. You can do it. You said if, you're, if you are a part of his bankruptcy, he is not going to be a part of your punishment. Uh, folks, folks, <laughs> Saints, my brothers and my sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is an answer mm-hmm. to a lot of things. I think you're right. Someone is pulling on you. Lots of people pulling mm-hmm. on you today because we have questions. We're wondering, God, how come this area of my life looks like this? Mm-hmm. How come you have not? We have to think about where did we miss it? Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, where, where did I fail my responsibility to him? And was I feeding into his bankruptcy? Did I leave something undone? Mm-hmm. Have I not finished oh. something he asked me to do? Because, again, mm-hmm. I mean, we are willing to let God down. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on. I need to walk on the let him to get it. I need to walk on the I'm just willing to let him down. I, mean, I, I want you to write this on your Facebook. We are too willing to so let God down. down. I want every one of you to put that out there. Jesus. Hashtag Dr. Paula Price. We are too willing to let God down. Way okay. too willing. Come on, bro. Way too willing. I mean, I'm going through, oh, you know, you're talking, and I, I honestly, moment of transparency, as you're talking, I was looking at you, and I was just thinking of how many things you have finished for him. And I was thinking about the long list of things that I'm trying to still do. And it just says everything about, you know, your station with God and whether or not God will move on your behalf. That's really what it's about. You know, is God going to open up his treasures for you? Is God going to release for you? And I think that today you're helping us understand whether he will or he won't and whether or not he owes that to us. Because mm-hmm. that's the other piece that I, 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 apostleship teaches you whether God owes it. You, you talked about truth and that your change agent should be willing to tell you the truth. Well, I think that the truth was told today because a lot of times we're not told the truth about whether God really owes us or not. Mm-hmm. I think we're all taught, in, 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 in most standard churches, God owes you everything. He owes you all of himself. He owes you all his blessings. You know, and when he doesn't open up and give you everything, all of a sudden you're angry, you're mm-hmm. upset. You know, this, this today is teaching us to look on our part. You know, what did I give him? What did I fill him? What was I not willing to do for him? And, and, and does that mean that now I might actually not get something in return? Because I think the tantrum comes with when you're saying, well, I know I did you wrong, God, but does that mean you're still not going to help me? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> You're like, for real? Like, you're really not going to come through for me? Like, for real? Because I didn't do this one thing for you? Like, uh, does that really mean that now you're not going to completely override what I didn't do? And I was just thinking about your life in that moment because I was like, yeah, but God, she can come to you and say, but I produced this, and I have this, and I finished this for you, and I finished this for you. And I think that that is the place that we all have to try to get to in our Mm -hmm. own lives to be able to say, but God, I finished this for you. But God, you asked me to do this. When you talk about giving him a reason, Mm -hmm. but God, you can intervene for me in this case because I gave you this. But Mm -hmm. God, you asked me, and I was there. And I don't think that that part of the exchange is done enough. I think that, uh, first of all, I just say, hey, guys, you like my fruit? Jesus, help. This is my fruit. I'm excited. <laughs> and y'all know that Wednesday warrior one. 
But I want to go back to two things that you said that I think are, are powerful, and that is, you know, um, we often want to say that God understands because he's the big, 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 big God, and I'm the little, 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 so he ought to get it. But when I say that God needs leverage, do you know that your tithes are leverage? Your tithes leverage your future calamity and give God a reason to say to the enemy, stand down, stop. Half of you all, you have blown your tithes so much that you have forgotten that you, you, you were responsible for taking care of God's business and affairs. And you, were, you have forgotten that you literally, literally took the tithe, which are not yours. The reason that the repercussions come is because he said, will a man rob God? Because your tithes are like your rent. Your rent money is not yours. Your phone money is not yours. Your, your car payment is not yours. And you cannot get upset because the car people say, that was nine, she gave me a six, and it was good. But you owe me four. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to recoup my losses, yes. and I'm going to send my agents out to get my car. Keep the, that's the devourer. And so you all have got to stop letting people tell you how heaven works. I'm telling you this because they aren't reading the Bible. They can't, I can support everything I just said. I can support it scripturally. I know there are churches that say we don't believe in a tithe because we think it's under the law. And you can tell how that is a theological error because the tithe came before the law. Mm. Did it? Oh, she said I have to hit something. <laughs> the tithe came in Abraham, and that was before the law. That is why the tithe was never nullified. So you all didn't read your Bible. If you read your Bible, you wouldn't have been robbing God because you love him, because you want God to win. And that's the other thing. When she talked about too willing to let God down, my, my passion for Jesus Christ is that I want my God to win. I want him on top. I want him the head and not the tail. I want him above and not beneath. I want my God to reign because he owns this, he deserves it, and he's been robbed and plundered and pillaged enough. I'm a protector of the Lord Jesus Christ and his territories and his temple because I'm not going to let you rob him. My church can't. I cut up when they don't tithe. Yes, I do. And you know why? Because you want me to give you the, the, the inheritance of the kingdom, the provisions, and the, and the services of the kingdom, and you don't want to bank for them? You don't want to bank for them? That's not going to happen. It's not. And I like how you said that. Too willing to let God down. And then that last piece, which I think is amazing, and that is, so I did you wrong. Yeah. So what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are, you are bound to forgive me, bound to be merciful. You're bound to get over it. And most Christians have a get over it Jesus concept. Their mindset is he just needs to get over it and maintain his covenant with me. Now, a covenant is of two. You know, covenant is a two-part. You realize, we act like the covenant. See, a, a vow may be one. A pledge may be one person. But a covenant is two. So if you're going to hold God to the covenant, then there are some performance clauses for you as well. Otherwise, you have broken the covenant and let God off the hook. Because the law is, and the rule is, and that's everywhere you go, when one party breaks the covenant, the other party is no longer obligated. I'm going this thing. And that's why God's not responding, because you broke the covenant. Because he said, 
my covenant I ma- that I make with David, I will never right. break. He said, now, if his son or his children break my law, he said, I will correct them with the blows of men. Yes. But my loving kindness, I will never take from them. He will always love them. He'll always be kind. But when you release God from those covenant things, you act as if you, just because well, I was a kid. No, uh-uh. Do you know when they made king uh, out of eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds, they were still coming into the land? Yes. You do realize that. They give your baby a social security number for a reason. Oh. So you're come, you have, don't we think, we need to talk about that because that's what apostles will tell you, where you broke your covenant with God and how to make reparations. We don't. We just act like reparations is just something that we just well we'll think about it. Well, no, we oh we that's under the law too. So I just want you to understand when when it comes because uh, God is upset about this tithing thing because you all have been lied to and He can't move the devourer out of your life. He can't because he, he if He doesn't then He has to break His own law and He's not going to break His own law. So some of you all, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. You owe God. You let the, might as well give the devourers some coffee in a bedroom and a shower. Because they, they, they have every right to be there. You legitimize the calamity in your life. You legitimize that. You legitimize it. You chose devour over God. And you let your money pay the devourer instead of letting it pay God. So your money is paying somebody because you know we got to pay somebody. Got to pay somebody. But I'm telling you, I'm having fun. This is I've never had my girls like this. I'm excited. We're almost we're almost done. But are you all? Come on, answer me back. Are you all enjoying this? Yes, is it, is, because somebody has to tell you the truth. You shall know the truth. Yes. Not the truth of the earth. Earth has a, a earth's truth is live in the house of a lie. Okay. Okay. You don't think so? Yeah, that's great. Don't you think? For example, let me give an example. Yeah, it came up. But, for example, when you think about criminals and gangs and all of that, they are criminals, which means they're outside of the law, which means they live in the realm of a lie in terms of a wholesome society. But within their organizations, there's a truth. Yes. So you need to know where your truth is out. Well. Where is your truth? <laughs> where is my way? Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we exactly. need a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I write a few things down. So the problem is you may be operating on a criminal truth. Because that's what culture is based on. It could be a cultural truth. But there is the truth of creation that the invisible agents of God and the invisible powers of God are operating on, and they are managing truth for the Almighty, and they are adjudicating it and judging truth. They must do it for the Almighty. And when they set it in motion, then if we get the rain down, I could say trickle down, but God doesn't trickle nothing, okay? <laughs> so the rain, then we get that rain down effect. Then we get that rain down effect so that that truth comes from the throne of Christ. He approves it. Yeah, you did it right. You can't get there. So they do it. 
And so they come down, and he said, now disseminate this truth and disseminate it correctively and so that we can disseminate it redemptively, that we can recover our losses or cut off our bleed out. And so it keeps going down from thrones to principalities to powers, comes all the way down so they get to the first human. And the first human will often be an apostle if there are any that he can trust. It will first, so to get to the first human, and that first human then must send it to the church, and then the church must take it to the world. Wow. And so we didn't get to the first human. <laughs> Why is that? We're still, you know, so, but that's our job. Our job, because we are apostles or thronal agents, our job is to be at the, in, in the cabinet meetings of the king. And to find out what he's going on, not reading the news and try to figure out how we can outdo the Joneses. You know, well, you bought a, okay, so you got a um, Mercedes, well, then I'm going to get myself a Porsche. I'm going to get myself a big guy. And you just keep on getting from the world. Meanwhile, God is, his duties are not being carried out. Ministry exists for God's duties, obligations, and responsibilities to his creation. I got to hit something. Let me hit this. Boom. That's why ministry exists. It doesn't exist for you to express your gift. It doesn't exist what? for that. And if that's what it, if that's where you are, <laughs> then you're at the bottom. You're the tail and not the head. Oh, oh, oh! I guess I have to do something now. I'm having fun. Let me yeah. have fun. You had one more thing you wanted to say. Did you want to say it or not? You behaving yourself? No. Okay. I'll All right. So, what is? Did we get any feedback? Yes, they did. <clears throat> they said, "Make it plain. You better say that, Doctor Price. <laughs> Loving it." Christianity. 
Now, there's a word that created churchianity. I don't know about that. I don't serve that God. You know, a woman said to me once, Ashley, um, she wrote me on Facebook, and, you know, because people are cute. And she said, uh, we must have been talking about business and God. And she said, well, God doesn't do business. I said, well, maybe your God doesn't. Your God's probably idle. But my God created heaven and earth, and he's busy. And that's what business means. So make sure you know the God you're serving because you might be defending the wrong deity. All right? Well, Facebook, Periscope, I've got to leave you. Love you dearly. Hey, don't forget, call in, press that number one. We have just begun to talk. <laughs> have a great afternoon. Come on, block talk. Let's go. Over. All right. Well, guys, you have been listening today to the Paula Price Show, the one and only Paula Price Show. We're here every Thursday, 11 a.m. to 1 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. What a discussion today. We want you to take to the boards online. Let us know what you thought about today. You can give us your feedback online at facebook.com slash Apostle Paula Price or slash Dr. Paula Price. She's under Facebook under Apostle Paula Price. So look her up there, um, visit her post, and post what you thought about the show today. You can use the Facebook feed, uh, the stream that was going today. Or if you are a Periscope user, um, make sure you go and post some comments and some feedback for us on Facebook or Twitter so we can find out what you thought of today's broadcast. Again, if you're just joining us on the line right now, we do want you to press number one so that we can go ahead and get to your calls. So you need to press number one if you would like to talk to Dr. Price in this second half of the show so we can get to your calls. I want to give you all just a few announcements this morning uh, before we finish out the program. The Apostleship Summit is coming up, guys. It is just days away. It starts on the 15th of November. November 15th, we will kick off with the Dignitaries Dinner, which is happening in the evening, um, 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesday, November 15th, the Dignitaries Dinner. You don't want to miss out on this. If you are in Tulsa, if you're in the Tulsa area, if you're in Oklahoma City, um, Kansas City, Dallas, we encourage you to come in town for the Dignitaries Dinner, even if you cannot make the entire event. We encourage you to come for this. Um, it kicks off the whole summit week, and that's Wednesday, November 15th. The Dignitary Center is $50 and includes your dinner um, and, and, of course, your dinner, your beverage, and all that will go on during the dinner. The speaker is Dr. John Swales from Oral Roberts University, and that promises to be an evening. So we encourage you to join us November 15th for the Dignitaries Dinner right here in Tulsa. And then stay along with us for the entire event. We'll go into the summit weekend after that. Thursday morning kicks off the summit. Um, November 16th will kick off the summit. November 16th and 17th in the evening, those services are open to the public. So if you are in the area and you would like to attend with us and can only be there for the evening, November 16th will be the State of the Kingdom. And then November 17th will be a special night of worship. So again, November 16th, in the evening will be the State of the Kingdom Address with Dr. Paula Price. That starts at 7 p.m. that evening, State of the Kingdom, um, and it will be right here in Tulsa at the Southern Hills Crown Plaza Hotel across the street from ORU. And then on Friday evening, uh, the 17th, there will be a night of worship. The whole event, if you'd like to register and be a part of all of the sessions, we encourage you to do this, and we want you here. We're saving a seat just for you. You can register online at drpaulaaprice.com. Again, drpaulaaprice.com. Register for the Apostleship Summit all-day workshops Thursday and Friday, and a special closing and sealing on Saturday with some prophetic ministry and prayer. 
We'll be doing a tour of Price University that you can sign up for. And as always, we always do lunch with Dr. Price with all the registrants, and everyone is invited to do that on Saturday. There'll be a special Sunday closeout service, so if you are planning on making arrangements to travel with us, plan to stay over for Sunday. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be right here in our home church, Congregation of the Mighty in Bixby, Oklahoma, on Sunday morning. So it's going to be a power-packed weekend that you do not want to miss out on. The entire dates are the November 15th through the 18th of November. Join us there. You can get all the details online at drpaulaaprice.com. All right. So again, press number one so that you can talk with Dr. Price in this, uh, this last half hour of the broadcast. Don't forget to go on social media, like Dr. Price on Facebook if you haven't already, and also Twitter. Big shout out to all of our Twitter fans and family. We thank you so much for all that you do to continue to share this message and our Periscope. We can't do this without you, so shout out to our Periscope followers and big shout out to our Twitter followers. Dr. Price is on Twitter. Her handle there is at Dr. Paula Price. Again, facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. And if you just want to know more about the ministry, visit us online and join our mailing list at drpaulaprice.com. Prophet Ashley, back to you. All right. Thank you, Prophet Adia. And we'll be right back after these messages. Have you ever wondered, why do I hear from God? Is what happens when I pray normal? Why do I think so differently? Is my relationship with God unusual? How do I explain my experiences with God? Does anyone else experience these things? I have so many talents, but how do I find my purpose? I know I'm called to ministry, but where do I begin? These daily questions lead to one solution. Introducing the Standardized Ministry Assessments Series. What was on God's mind when He made you? Find out how our assessments can help you uncover your greatest mystery, you. Our standardized ministry assessments consist of 800 ministry-specific questions, 114 ministry-based categories, 50 ministry classifications, a comprehensive gift analysis, five-fold office identifiers, automatic response indicators, targeted benchmark scoring, automated result interpretations, custom readiness path options, call-specific recommendations, personal ministry advisement. Is this basically a personality test? No. Your results are custom designed and not based on the traditional data used to determine your personality type or IQ. Instead, your results come from you, how you think, and what you believe, not predetermined categories into which you must loosely fit. Dr. Paula Price's nearly 25 years of research and experience see to that. How is this different from a spiritual gift test? Our assessments are not a test and assess more than just your spiritual gift, what you are good at and may be interested in doing for your church. We help you define your ministry calling, how ready you are to do it full time, the type of training you need to do it well, and the best place for you to prosper whether in or out of the church. They don't just give you a number, they give you a life plan. We offer three levels of assessments. The Ministry Assessment Questionnaire, the Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire, the Apostolic Diagnostic. So what's your ministry IQ? Discover yours today. www.drpaulaprice.com or call 877-649-PPMG.
guys, this is Mr. Dia from Saturday Morning Kids. Every Saturday, we post a brand new episode full of God's power, full of God's word, just for kids ages 8 through 12. Subscribe to us on YouTube under Kingdom 5 Student Ministries. That's Kingdom 5 Student Ministries only on YouTube. Kids, I'm talking to you. We're diving into purpose, destiny, and God's plan for our lives. So I'll see you every Saturday for Saturday Morning Kids. Hi, my name is Chief Prophet Tala Price, and I want to invite you to join me every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for a riveting and exciting discussion of my favorite book by my favorite author. Yes, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum, written by the one and only Dr. Paula Price. Join us on our weekly journey of studying the history of eternity as it's been revealed through scripture. Learn your God, learn your world, learn yourself, and even your Savior before time began. We're going to discuss revelationary answers to age-old questions like, how did we get here? Why does our planet exist? Does it have a creator? What was on his mind concerning us? And why did he bring Christ and Christianity into our world? Topics like these and more we'll be discussing every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can join us on Facebook Live or by Periscope. For more information, visit www.tallaprice.com. That's www.tallaprice.com. Dr. Paula A. Price does it again with Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. In her customary exhaustive style, she breaks the seal on yet another striking dimension of Christian faith and truth. Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum is aptly dubbed the history of eternity as revealed in scriptures because it captures and tells the story of eternity from its founder's perspective. Order your copy today and give us your feedback. Tell us how Before the Garden revolutionized your walk with Christ at www.beforethegarden.com. Do you have an upcoming conference or want to order a supply for your bookstore? Now is the perfect time to order copies for your network, mentees, or friends. Just pick up the phone and dial 877-419-1299, extension 1001, and ask for Adia Peterson to get bulk discount orders and place your order today. It is our pleasure to introduce you to Price University, a post-secondary school of specialized education that specializes in master's and doctoral academic programs for the kingdom of God. Price University is unique because its vision expands the traditional Christian ministry education to include quality instruction of apostles, prophets, kingdom professionals, ecclesial, and entrepreneurs. Consequently, we make Christian ministry studies practical, effective, and powerful to profit our students beyond the classroom in their everyday world. Our four-point vision is credible apostolic and prophetic education, manifestation of the Lord's eternal kingdom in the now, and the ecclesia's dominance in human affairs and all nations in Christ and under God. Find out your place in Price University by visiting www.priceuniversity.org. Or call us today to schedule a consultation at 
$12.99. Price University. Learn today, lead tomorrow. All right, that's right. Learn today, lead tomorrow is where we are with our education. Uh, Welcome back to the second portion here, the home stretch of the Paula Price Show. Dr. Price, we have people on the line for you today. Am I there? You are here. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. All right. She said loud and clear. That's a good thing. <laughs> so let me find out all the – you know, I'm working these buttons. All right. I'm in. If you have people all on right. the line, then I'm ready to talk. Excellent. Who is my first okay, caller? First, first caller is Nicole from Texas, and she would like prayer for finances and a scholarship. Nicole, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Hi, Dr. Price. It's great to talk to you again. It is. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Well, you know I'm on the ceiling. <laughs> yes, I could hear. <laughs> I am on the ceiling. Just loving on our Savior and just warring for his goodness and his grace and his inheritance. So talk to me. What what do you need prayer for today, Nicole? Well, you know, I was thinking this week, I said I really need to call in because, um, you know, as I spoke to you earlier, I guess it was sometime you said I need to go back to school. Well, I am enrolled in school, and I am asking prayer for this scholarship as I get ready to apply for this scholarship. And hopefully if I get it, it will cover, you know, all my expenses um, for the duration of my study. So that's what I'm, I'm asking for prayer for. Well, great. Father God, we thank you that you are the God of all things. And, and Lord, that all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Christ Jesus our Lord. We stand on the fact that the money is yours, the silver and gold belongs to you. So I thank you, Holy Father. I thank you for releasing this woman's favor, cause her scholarship to be written exactly the way it needs to be written out, her application, so that he who reads what she wants can do what she's asking. So, God, we give her favor. We give her the right uh, representative of the school. We give her the right advisors and counselors, and we release it. As she has petitioned it today, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much. You're welcome. God bless. God bless. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Prophet Ashley? All right, Dr. Price. Next, we have Kimberly from Illinois on the line, and she has a comment about the broadcast and then prayer for her brother-in-law. Kimberly, welcome to the Paul Price Show. Hi, Dr. Price. How are you? Excellent, Kimberly. It's good to hear your voice. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I I had a comment about um, the show today, and um, I just wanted to thank you for um, bringing out the points that you did concerning uh, the tithe and uh, people's heart attitude towards giving to God and how um, there's, there's been like a sense of entitlement um, towards the heart, towards um, people when, in exchange with, um, you know, the blessings that God gives us. And I've just found that we seem to be taking it so for granted, um, the attitude, as you articulated in your uh, teaching uh, today, where you talked about how it's like, um, well, 
you got to do it for me, you know, without us measuring or meeting a measure to, um, to honor him. And so I just wanted to uh, thank you for bringing that point out because in our teaching at our church, we've really been uh, focusing on just honoring God and um, really looking at our hearts toward how we view the tithe and how we view um, sowing and how that connects to kingdom work. And so I just thank you for that. Well, and Kimberly, I thank you for your comment. You know, the interesting thing about um, how it is that that whenever devils get empowered, they tell people they don't have to treat God right because they are diverting the economy of the kingdom to their their demonics in the world, to their worldly ventures. So they tell people not to do that. You know, you realize that people don't tithe and spend literally – thousands in casinos. God's money's in the casino. So guess where their exactly. money's going to always be? At risk. You know what I mean? Because uh, you're giving it to the God of the casino. And so those kinds of things. But I believe that, like your church, more and more churches are going to pick up this, this sound and pick up this message and say, you know what? We don't treat our God like that. We're not going to treat our king like that. We're going to treat our God like he is God. And I think that before long, we're going to God's house built up Amen. You know, it was interesting because I brought out a point in one of our teachings when we were discussing this in our ministry, and I just uh, brought out the point of despising um, how the scripture talks about, um, you know, you you can't serve God and mammon and how you will hold on to one and despise the other. And when I used the word despise, a lot of people were taken aback by that, like, I don't despise God. But after breaking it down, it's like, well, you the actions articulate or the actions show different, you know. So it's just I, I just thank you for that um, for that teaching today. And my prayer request, however, is for my brother-in-law. He is um, we have a court case, and um, it's just being tied up, and a lot of um, it's just being tied up, and uh, because. We're the family, and it's just kind of holding us up as well. And so we just really praying for um, acceleration with the case through the court system and for justice, um, you know, for for justice to prevail in this in this area. So I would like prayer for my brother-in-law and for this case. And We, you know, Kim, I want to ask you probably a hard question, and that is, in this case, does your brother-in-law deserve the justice you believe? That I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm not saying um, um, him to walk away from it. That's, no, I'm I'm really just believing God for ju- his justice in the case, whatever that is, not how okay. the family might feel. Does that okay? Well, well, Jesus told me to ask you that question. Is he really that deserving of the justice that you think, or is he deserving of mercy? Mercy. Oh, okay. Yeah, mercy. Yes. Okay. I don't want to pray the wrong prayer. So, okay. You know, the Lord. We are cooperative, so we work with each other. So he made. He wanted me to. Make make you think differently about this case because the holdup may be to his advantage. Okay. I okay. 
you know, and so, and I say this to you because I want you to think very differently about interventions. We do so many things, well, that's just the devil, and that ain't right, and he's my family, but not, not that you indicated any of that, but the Holy Ghost says, what are you asking him to do? Do you want me to have mercy? If you want me to, or you want me to, you know, again, go with justice, because, you know, justice doesn't, be, doesn't have to be merciful, or what are you asking me to do? So I'm going to pray for mercy because that's what the Holy Spirit needs him to have. This was okay. um, what he's what he's gone through was a weapon, and it was a weapon as a rod because there are some things that he really just shirked God off his shoulders on. And the Holy Spirit said, "I will do mercy because of your prayer, you, Kimberly, not because he doesn't deserve the rod of correction that he's entered into." Amen. I, I understand that. Uh, All right. Father God, thank you so much for being merciful. Lord, we thank you that your word says you delight in mercy. So we're asking that you do that which you delight in and have mercy on this situation. But God, in the midst of it, let the family know that you're dealing with him as you come up to this so that he will be deserving of the mercies that you are about to release. So I thank you for doing that, God. Expedite what you want expedited, but God, by the same token, Lord, you yourself delay what needs to be delayed so that you can do the inner work in this man's heart for your glory and bring about a truth so that he does not stand before the court and the judge with contempt on him because he doesn't think he deserves it. So I'm thanking you for changing his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Price. Thank you, too. God bless you. Bless you, too. All right. Have a great day. Okay. You, too. All right, Prophet, who do I have next? Okay, you have next up. Oh, hold on. My system got a little stuck. All right. We have next up Tara from Florida, and she is calling for you to pray over her leaders and her, uh, the ministry she attends as well as her job in line with what you were saying earlier. Tara, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Welcome. Thank you, Prophet Ashley. And thank you, Dr. Price, for your message today. Thank you, Tara, for uh, acknowledging how uh, how it's working. I'm interested in what you're asking, though. That sounds like it. the two kind of fell in line with each other. Well, yeah. Um, like I said, told Prophet Ashley earlier, it really blessed me, um, you sharing part of your journey and testimony with your team. Um especially when you mentioned how they, you know, acted as a guardian for you when you gave them papers and, you know, were like, okay, you guys can go on with your life. I've had it here, and they didn't give up. Um, They actually interceded and, you know, stayed true to what they felt their purpose was. So same for me with the organization I'm in, uh, the leadership, and this is professionally, uh, really is discouraged right now. She's dealing with, and I've called before in the past, um, some issues and concerns regarding a surgery coming up, and it's just emotionally kind of just tired. So with her still being at the lead, um, you know, I just want to ask for your prayer uh, for her, the organization, and also for the local church leadership. There's also there been a shift and a lot of transition going on, um, and then, unfortunately, I chose to sit down as an as an usher, um, and I'm not quite sure about that decision and how God feels about it. So I wanted prayer in that regard um, 
also. So thank you. Well, this is my pleasure to do. Um, The first thing I would say about the professional leader is that God is probably allowing the surgery because she wouldn't sit down and rest when he told her to. So this is going to give her a good rest, new perspective, fresh look out on things. We pray that God covers it all. I cover it all in the blood of the lamb and that God covers the surgeon's hands so that she comes through it marvelously Mm -hmm. with minimal time and minimal discomfort. So that's the first thing I want to say. Um, Church Lee, I want to talk to you. One of the things that I like, um, and, and trust me, my team will tell everybody the story because it's true. I did release them because I felt like I, what I was facing was probably not going to help them fulfill destiny. I thank God mm. that they held on to, they held on to the vision, and they. Re, I mean, when I say refused to leave, they didn't just punish me by saying, "Well, okay, so we'll come late, we'll, we'll drop out, so we're not going to do it." Well, I'm going to give you less time and all of that. They maintained their standard to the best of their ability, even in their own pain. And so the warfare and all of that, they wore never stopped praying, pray every day, 530, never stop, and never abandon wow. their home. Not one time. amazing. They never did. And, and Because there are many ways that you can show your agreement with the people who want to tear down your leader without meaning to. And one of them is abandoning your post and refusing to keep the status quo. You know, my team created a shield in front of me. My 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 own the rest of the body didn't even know how bad it was. They never talked about it. They just said we're all playing, and they never did. And, and I mean, they knew things were different. But even because my shield stood, the people stayed. And so, yes, if you were in a amazing amazing testimony story. And so if you were if you were in permission position, um, troublesome times is not when you leave. As far as I'm concerned, these these women who have fought for me all these years and been there for me, there's nothing I wouldn't do for them. They are written in my inheritance forever. Because when they could have kicked me when I was down or they could have abandoned me, they didn't. And I believe God has a lot of guards and, and, and a lot of people, ministers out there like them, who just, I, I, I don't know, tears running down their face. We don't know what's going on, Dr. Price, but we know that this is you and we know this is God. That's powerful stuff. And you don't get that anywhere. So I would have to say for you, you should check your heart as to why you set yourself down. I don't, you're not giving me the reasons, and, and really I don't want to dig into that right now because I don't think that's what this call is about. But it is about you knowing how to be there to the end. Jesus said to the men, said, you have saved me in my trial. Therefore, I will appoint you a kingdom when I come into my glory. So think about what that did to your inheritance, not your leaders. Mm-hmm. All right? Now, we're going to pray for right. the leaders. Now, when we, are we going to pray for the, are we, for the pastors or what? What are we praying for here? Yeah, praying for actually the entire, um, all of us, <laughs> the entire congregation, the pastors, the shed over, the organization I work um, for okay. both. Got it. You want to cover everybody. You just want a blanket to go out on everybody. Everybody, yes, yes, yes. Oh, please. Amen. Amen. Well, here, here, here we go. Father, in Jesus' name, first of all, I thank you for your wisdom. And in moments like this, I want to just 
Also, thank you for my team and bless them again. God, release harvest on them and release the opportunity for all of us to inspire your church to fight for what you're doing and not to be so quick to give it up. And, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you so much, Lord, for Tara, who's called in because she wants to make sure she can do her best to keep her, her assignment, but also to keep those that you are assigned her to in place. So I pray for the healing of the leader, the professional leader. I pray for that healing, a straightening out of the bones in the back. I pray for it. I pray for a hormonal shift, God. So even the head and the neck aches and the tension goes. Lord, I pray for organ healing because there's an organ damage, God. And I'm, oh! Yes, Jesus. And we, we reverse that and eliminate it in Jesus' name. And then, God, I pray for this leader. I pray for this church and its congregation. Lord, send in angels of mercy and healing and restoration. Lord, begin to let them anoint and pour out fresh oil and and wipe their wounds and wipe their tears, God, so that they can see clearly again. Strengthen the guard. Strengthen those who are supposed to hold up their arms. Strengthen those that are supposed to stand as a shield. Strengthen those who are supposed to serve behind the shield and, and, and minister to them. Restoration, minister to them health and strength. And I thank you for that. I thank you for removing every contentious power and force in that body. We remove you from that membership from that membership in Jesus' name. And in your place, we bring in those who have like-minded visions and like-minded cares and hope and love for Christ. And I bless you for all of this prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Keep us in, keep us posted on all of the good stuff that's coming out of that prayer. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Price. I appreciate it. God bless you. Bless you too. Prophet, I got time for a couple more, don't I? You see I'm rolling on through. You are rolling. All right. Next up we have Jakini from Texas, and Jakini is a first-time viewer today. She caught you on Facebook for the first time, and so she wants to give you a bit of feedback and then would like prayer for the next season. Jakini from Texas, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I I, I do. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say welcome, first-time viewer, listener. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to, um, I just, I kind of just was sliding and I seen and everything you said, it really resonated with the, uh, what I just kind of was going through where I, I, I went to a place where I lost every single thing and the Lord just kind of revealed to me my, my issue was the lack of giving and, you know, being consistent and I wasn't trusting him enough with my finding. I didn't, I trust him with every other area. And like you were saying, I was going to church and I would worship and sing and cry. But when it came to my finances, you know, I really, you know, I wasn't fully surrendering in that area. So he, he, he gracefully broke me, uh, in that, in that area. So, you know, I'm, I mean, it's, phenomenal what he what he's doing and how I even ran across you know what you were saying which was everything confirming everything that you know that I've been experiencing and that I've been you know the revelation that I've been getting even you know especially about the tithe and like like I've been given more than 
you know, just just saying, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I, I apologize for it. The, the time, even though I know He forgives me, but just the fact, you know, that that was like it was really truly the problem. You know, like I he I was actually robbing, you know, God with my tithes and my offering. So I just thank God for the message, and I just want to ask for a prayer for, like I said, my next season. What what you know, what God has my next and. Um, I'm dealing with my my brother, my little brother. He's I let him move in with me, and he's he believes in God, but he's not ready to walk. You know, he's not walking. You know, he's you know kind of still partying and still he don't wanna he don't wanna uh, he don't wanna pay. You know, meet the you know like help pay anything to live, and I'm just having a real issue with that right now. But I mean, I just wanna if you can just pray for me overall, just. Pray for God's well, will for my life. I, I'll be glad to do so. Tell me this, Jakini, what do you do for a living? Uh, co- well, I'm about to start doing collections, but I was previously doing, um, I was watching children, and I want to, that's my. That's what I'm trying to, I want to open up a, a daycare or a home, a actual daycare center or a home daycare. So I'm about to go back into the corporate world just to, you know, get, get the financial, you know, just get the funds to do whatever it is that I, you know, start to go to classes and things like that to do what what I really want well, to do. So. Because when I, when before we um, you told me all that you were going through, but Holy Spirit said that he's called you into a, a place of entrepreneurship, which means yes. even though you need to go to corporate well, I mean, you need to get a job to finance your your vision. You still need to connect with some sort of center or um, daycare that is in existence. Yes, and you yes. need to connect with them so that you can learn, so that you won't come out of your job with your corporate papers and your money and all of that and no knowledge or experience of what you must do. Yes, so it, this yes. is going to be a tough season for you. The first thing is going to be is that you need to do this daycare thing as, you know, as, as an intern or whatever you want to call it. And then mm-hmm. you need to go, you must go to school and you mm-hmm. must finish what I told you to do. This school thing in between you and God is big. It is like, mm-hmm. oh God, it's a big wow. stronghold. You know, you believe in it for everybody, mm-hmm. but you don't believe in yeah. it too because you think your path. You think I don't want and the other thing is you and I'm I'm gonna be frank since that you're a blind call, we mm-hmm. don't know each other. But you don't wanna give up that that freedom. You don't want you don't want any more responsibility because you had too much of it as a kid. So you're not trying mm-hmm. to weigh yourself down. Your baby brother does not know what it took for you to let him move in. He has no wow. idea wow. the wrestle you had. <laughs> Because you did not want, you walked away and said, I'm tired of this. I'm going to live for me. I'm going to do what I need to do, make my life work. I'm not going to be carrying other people's stuff and getting all involved in there, whatever. That was hard for you. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that he's ruining it is affirming your all of your hesitancies and your reluctance beforehand. So this is the thing that you will have to decide. <clears throat> I tell people all the time, and everybody that's listening to me, Right now, write this statement down. You only get to make the choice. You don't get to choose the consequences. I need all of you to write this down because it's important for you to recognize that you want God to fix consequences of choices he didn't want you to make. Mm -hmm. So 
consequences is an interesting word, and I've taught it before, but the end of consequence is sequence. There is a sequence of events that go into action when you choose anything. So you anticipate the chain reaction. You knew your brother. You knew his ways, and you knew all of that. You Even now, you want to say he's saved. You can't say he's saved. You don't know. You hope he's saved. You don't really know. He might have cried, sniffed his spot at a, at a, a turbulent moment in his life. He may have even done a to con you. You can't say he's saved. You didn't stop and ask Jesus Christ if he was saved. You didn't stop and ask Jesus Christ, should he live with you? Because you had a holy home. Because his living with you has affected your, your interactions with the Lord, not your love, your interactions. And so there are things that we, we do because it's tra- family and it's familial, but sometimes it sets us back. So you have to make a hard decision. First of all, if, you're, if he is not interested in living your way, then he needs to pay his way. And you need to let him know you need to pay your way. And then secondly, he has to live according to your holiness, not his hellishness. You're letting him bring hell, live hell on your turf, and you're paying for it. So if he wants to stay with you, then he has to live according to your holiness, and he has to pay his way. If he doesn't want to pay, then he needs to go where he will pay because his money is going somewhere. So he needs to do that. Now, that's just pragmatism. And one one thing the church is, it is practical. You know, you can help set him up in his own apartment. You, if you feel like, you know, he's my baby brother, I want to do right by him, you can find him a nice little apartment, little one-roomer. Him, he seems like he parties so much, he doesn't need much more than. Find him a nice little one-roomer. Let him know, I did this, put you in there. This, I paid the first rent for you. You are not homeless. You're on your own. And then you go back to cleaning your house up before the Lord and living the way which he have agreed. Because, see, he lived there before your brother moved in. Amen. So does that speak to you? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so, I mean, mm-hmm. I know you love your brother, and he, but he needs to know. You need to let it be known. This, these are our options, and I'm not going to backslide or, or cause my God to suffer because your God wants to bully mm-hmm. my house. So I'm not going to grieve the Holy Ghost because you want to make him mad. Amen. So you have to decide that. But that's what, it, that's what it means to take care of your God. That's what it means to take care of the Lord. Because we don't take mm-hmm. care of him. Like she said, people are willing for God to fail. They're willing for God to mm-hmm. suffer. They want, they're willing to let God live with their pain and all of that stuff and mm-hmm. put him to a shame in the world. They're willing to do that. You don't sound like mm-hmm. one of those. So let's pray you out of this. How about that? Father God, yes, I thank mm-hmm. you so much for uh, right now, for now, let me get this name right. I wrote it out. Zucchini. Okay, God, I yes, thank ma'am. you so much, Zucchini. I'm asking, yes, Lord, Lord, first of all, just just give a heart peace. She just need heart yes, peace Lord. right now. Yes, Lord. <laughs> so, Lord, just touch her heart and give her peace. Yes, and Lord, begin to lead her out of this situation. You know, we are yes, your sheep. The sheep of the yes, and so I'm asking that you lead her out of this situation and, and yes, into Lord. a place resume your fellowship and resume the communion. Mm. 
that you all had before she got strapped into this. I'm mm. asking for forgiveness. God, she just didn't know. Yes, Lord. Yes, don't, Lord. They don't know. They're not trying to do it. Yes, they just Lord. don't know. And now, Lord, yes, I Lord. thank you for giving her forgiveness and peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And then walking her, yes, walking this situation out of her house. Out. Just walk mm-hmm. it out, Father. And I bless mm-hmm. you for doing that. And then, Lord, I'm thank asking you, that you water her steps for her future. Mm-hmm. Or lead yes, her to the Lord. right center, lead her to the right training. Lead her yes. as your she is a real sheep of your shepherd, yes, of your Lord, pastor. Yes, Lord. yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're, you're so welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Bye-bye. So, Prophet, how much time do I have? Zero seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you like saying that, don't you? You love saying no. that. Well, we did good. We got a lot of calls. We got quite a, several calls through. Had a great session. I want to tell all of you all, I love you dearly. I love you. But let me tell you, the biggest thing any minister of the gospel can do is to love you into the truth of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so God wants you sanctified and converted to him, not so that you can get his minimums, but that you can get his abundance. And so God can definitely take care of you providentially, but he wants to bless you abundantly. And you do that by conforming and converting to his way of life in Jesus' name. So I love you much. Join me Sunday for Scripture Organic, Culturally Unmodified Christianity. Until then, have a great afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by visiting www.drpaulaaprice.com and click on Sow a Seed. Donate today.